We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Vince, how about some mailbag? What do you say? Want to answer some questions? Yes, as long as they're appropriate. Let's go. All right. I don't want to start any controversies, but Coleman Smith asked some of the first questions. I don't know if he had the absolute first question. I saw he and Salty in here. So here's Coleman. Thoughts on Jordan Botello possibly outshining Mills this year up front? I mean, it's definitely possible because – I think Patello has a chance to have better stats because he's a, he is an edge player as opposed to Mills. who's an interior player. Right. So, I mean, it depends on what your definition of outshining is. Will he have more sacks than Mills? I think there's a good possibility that that's the case. And a lot of times defensive end plays are a little bit more exciting than interior defensive line plays. So I, from a football standpoint, I still think Mills could be very, very good because he was getting double teamed like it was his job in the last game, right? Well, and they were not double teaming Batelho. So that's still very important because that means they're not blocking somebody, right? Let's let's have this conversation in two games. I know maybe that's not fun, but I'll 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 just give my rationale right now. Because of what you're talking about, it's still option offense against the option. It's it's not necessarily I mean, and really, you can say it on, on, on a lot of plays in general, but especially against the option. It's not a defensive tackles job to necessarily make a tackle. It's his job to fill a gap, take right. up space, eat up a blocker or two and let other you know funnel plays outside, take away that dive, funnel things outside and let other guys make plays. That's right. so. So Riley Mills was not going to have a monstrous game against Navy just from a pure stat standpoint. Now, against Tennessee State, against Central, virtually, I mean, virtually against anybody else this season, I think these two are going to complement each other quite sure. a bit. And that's that's going to be the fun part of it to me as this season goes along, is I think with the skill of both of these guys, it's going to be sort of a pick-your-poison type situation yeah. for defenses and how they're going to defend them. And I think they're both going to have a lot of havoc plays and opportunities this season. No, I agree. And you need both. You're going to need both of them. And you're going to need both of them to play at a high level if you want this defensive line and the other components of of this defensive line to be as effective as you want them to be. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be an either or. But, again, depends on how you look at it. Our friend Jason DeWilkins says he would gladly pay $100 to simply be in the same building as Jason Garrett. Well, 
you, uh, salty. I think that's I think that's sarcasm. Well, <laughs> I think this definitely is. Salty says he would gladly pay two hundred dollars to be following Jason Garrett down a very long set of stairs. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, I don't know what to say. I don't, got no answer. <laughs> got no answer to that. Oh, All right, so Salty's got a long, complicated question here. Really, he's bringing this up today when he should be bringing it up tomorrow. In a root cause failure analysis of Jesse's wide receiver prediction for the great one, of course, that being Jaden Greathouse, which was the primary cause for error? See next post for choices. Here's the next post. A, reliance on prior year data from other receivers, not knowing what the word great means. (laughs) Um, I like there's no B. He skipped B, but he went to C, a concurrent severe case of E. coli. Wow. 105.7 colon H7. <laughs> Hemorrhagic. Okay. I don't. Is that a reference to somebody I don't know. we might know here? I, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm assuming. On, salty. I didn't, I'm, I'm assuming. See, again, I didn't read that question closely yeah, enough. See, I would have scanned that out of there. He scanned it. <laughs> That's right. Now, I understand it. I just saw the first part of it. Is he referring to the fact that Jesse is not predicting great things for Jaden Greathouse? Yes, I believe so. Okay. All right. Well, look, he had a good game. I mean, he had three catches, two of them were touchdowns. I mean, that's a pretty darn good freshman debut. There's no doubt about that. And I don't think anybody outside of Salty would have predicted that particular stat line for Jaden Greathouse. And He's going to have another big stat line, I'm sure, because not only is he going to play when the ones are in, but I would imagine he's probably going to play when the twos are in. Mm -hmm. So I think he's going to have a heck of a stat line this Saturday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nathan asks how we like the fill-in color guys. I think he means the play-by-play guys. Oh, right. I love Noah Eagle last week. I've said yeah. all along just the way this is set up. The fact they had Paul Burmeister sitting there and he's got TV experience. He he still works for NBC. I would have gone with Paul Burmeister as the NBC uh, yep. new play-by-play announcer all along, starting with last year. And I think Noah Eagle, Noah Eagle was was not perfect but he had a very much more polished professional sounding broadcast and he was yep. thrown in there on relatively short notice with his preparation because of the illness. 
I will say that not only was no Eagle a pro and sounded like a pro, but he brought Jason Garrett right along with him and he made Jason Garrett sound better. And that is what we have been saying forever that you can bring a rookie color guy in, but you got to have a veteran play-by-play guy to bring him along. Can't have two rookies in there together. It's exactly what happened in my opinion. On national TV. I thought it sounded good from what I remember. Me too. Quinn, I thought tackling could be better after Saturday. Is the skill level of your opponent not as important compared to other teams when improving on tackling? I mean, it was game one, right? I mean, you you don't, to be honest with you, teams just don't tackle in fall camp like they used to. And so the first game is going to be a little rough tackling. I thought overall for a first game, especially being in another country, in another time zone and all of those different things, I thought tackling was fine. Is it going to improve as they move on? Yeah, of course it is. I, I think you'll see better tackling in this game than we saw in the last game. And I think you'll see improvement moving forward. But for a first game, I didn't really have an issue with the tackling. I don't no, think those are missed tackles. Look, it, it, it's not like there was a rash of missed tackles and it was just an issue the entire game. Were there a couple missed tackles? Sure there were. Like DJ Brown's got to make that tackle. He, he he made a great read, got there quickly, just a little bit too aggressive. You know, Come to balance, make a tackle. Just make an open field tackle and it's a tackle for loss rather than a gain right. for Navy. Like the Jack Kaiser thing. Jesse and I were talking about it yesterday where he's trying to strip the ball away. It's like what Jesse said. The first guy there, tackle, then you wait for your gang of guys to show up, and then if you're standing him up, that that's when you start stripping. But Kaiser yeah. went for the strip right away, and it, and it cost him. And there weren't, you know, again, there were some other missed tackles here and there. I, I'm, not, I'm not overly concerned about it right now. We'll yeah, see where that I, goes. I'm not I, concerned. I don't about think it it's going to be an issue, though. I don't think yeah. it's going to be an issue. Yeah. Thanks for the super chat, Tyler. He says the Florida Gators play their first non-conference out of state since September 21st, 1991. Wow. Thoughts? P.S. I was not born yet. <laughs> well, I was, but I was not even in middle school yet. So that's been a while since the Gators opened up not out of the state of Florida and, and look the SEC teams there's there's some truth to what these SEC teams do with their scheduling right I mean they, they don't they don't travel very often uh, for non-conference and I guess when you're the SEC you don't have to um, so yeah good for them and I mean different schools different especially like like SEC baseball for example and you know all those southern schools they very rarely I realize baseball and football are different, but Syracuse basketball, they've long had a reputation under Jim Beheim of not leaving the state of New York yeah. until non-conference play starts. You know, like they would play like 15, 16 games <laughs> at home or, or at least against someone else in the state of New York before they ever hit the yep. road. So every everyone does it. If you can get away with it, you'll do it. And it's just, it's money in your pocket if you can set it up yeah. that way as well. I mean, the, the only thing that's going to prevent them from doing that is money not coming their way or, or whatever. Like, they have to be forced out. And if they can make it work, then so be it. It's just like, just like Notre Dame and being in a conference. They can make it work. They're going to make it work. You know, until they get forced all elsewhere, that's what's going to happen. Yep. 
Wicked Broncos, thanks for the super chat. Wants to know if Paul Burmeister is related to Virginia Tech's old quarterback, Braxton Burmeister. I do not believe so. I, I can't say so. 100%, but I don't I don't believe so. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't believe so either, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah. I haven't checked out the Burmeister family tree in a while, so. No. Yeah. I haven't either. It's a good day because I'm not BK. Is this old cry in here? Is this like did cry change it? Because that's like the avatar is very similar. It looks that's true. Like. But it says, let me know some score predictions for the Utah Florida game. We're not allowed to give them up nope. right now because they're coming up tomorrow, I believe, on the website, right? That's right. They'll be here tomorrow. So we already we already put in our predictions. Now they just have to be published. So you're just gonna have to wait and see. Speaking of which, I gotta do my predictions for this week. <laughs> I just got mine in earlier today it said it said by thursday so i'm still good that's the way i see it very true coleman wants to know what's the other game this weekend you're looking forward to watching and why i mean that's easy lsu florida state yeah i'm done easy no sunday doubt. night it's not close either there there's no other game that i really care about to be honest with you will i have other games on yep because it's college football and if i'm home i'm going to be watching but when it's a home game for notre dame I'm pretty busy most of the day. So I will be tuned in on Sunday night, though. But it's at 8 o'clock, and that's what time upon further review starts. So I will be doing that with the iPad off to the side a little bit as well. Jason says he thinks Utah covers the 4.5. And And I'll tell you what, Jason. We make these picks. This is my second year doing them. We do them straight up. Win, lose. I would much rather do it with the spread, personally. Yeah. I think it's more fun to do it, more much more fun and interesting to do it with the spread. But we do it straight up, so that's the way we have to go. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, it's going to be a fun game uh, either way. I'm looking forward to it very much. Tyler, thanks again for another super chat. Any questions we still have for this team that did not get answered against Navy? All of them. To be honest with you, I mean, I, I still have any question that I had going into the game, to be honest with you, I don't think any of them have been answered. And I don't think any of them are going to truly be answered until game three. So or like beyond the the offensive line performance against Navy's defensive line didn't do anything for you. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, based on what you're saying, none of these questions are going to be answered until after the Ohio State game. Right. Well, that's truly – I was thinking NC State when they go on the road. Uh, it's, I can see – yeah, NC State, you're right. Yeah, I, I that would be more the one that I have circled, right? I mean, Navy is just a different animal, especially defensively. So, But offensive line, I, I will give you that. I think it's been answered slightly, right? I think, I think some of my questions about continuity and communication and some things like that – it's been answered for slightly because Navy throws a bunch of crap at you and you have to communicate and you have to do certain things, but they're very undersized. You know, how, how is this offensive line going to stack up against a power five size defensive line? I think that still remains to be seen and that's not going to be answered this week. Right. Um, I think we got to wait till week three to get that kind of an answer made. And then everything else, like I, I will steal a page from Marcus Freeman's press conference. Right. He was super happy with the communication on from the offense 
offensive sideline and, you know, coordinator to quarterback coach to, you know, all those different things. I thought that went very smooth. And I think that is a question that was answered because there's a lot of new moving parts and things like that. So I think that part was really good, Uh, but come on, man, Sam Hartman should be able to pick apart Navy. He should be able to pick apart Tennessee state. Like those, those aren't, if anybody didn't think that was going to happen and that was a question mark for you, then you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're right. He should like Jared Parker confirmed last night at the post-practice media session that the, the, the third and 12, the check, the, uh, the throw to Audric Estime that gained 22 yards. That was a check at the line of scrimmage by Hartman. He checked from one play to another. There's, there's a veteran quarterback yeah. making a check at the line of scrimmage that again, now would Drew Pine and or Tyler Buckner have been able to make that check this year? We know that Drew Pine couldn't make it last year. Would right. how much how much difference would that experience have made? We don't know, but we know that having a sixth year guy and like nearly everything went right. Yeah, I think the bigger question for me is just how they're going to deal with with their first adversity, and that might right. not be answered for a while. But that's yeah. that's the biggest question that I have is how they're going to deal with some adversity really, because really everything went about as perfect as could go last week. Now there was some minor adversity on the defensive side. Again, like for the, for the Al golden doesn't know what he's doing crowd. It wasn't a good day because Navy threw looks at Al golden and that defense right off the bat that had never shown up on film, either at Navy or at Kennesaw state where their offensive coordinator had been for eight years. And so like you had guys doubling up in gaps and, you know, doing some different stuff. And Navy gained uh, 31 yards on their first three plays. And that ended up being, I think, uh, almost 25% of their total offense for the entire day because Al Golden and the crew made the adjustment on the fly. So like in that micro case, it was a very good case of dealing with adversity, but, but bigger picture. I think that that's, that's the biggest thing that that I'll probably need to see from this team, how they deal with that. Yeah. I think that's a really good call because they'd, didn't really deal with a whole lot in that game. I no. mean, the, the the biggest adversity that they had to overcome was getting on a plane and going over there and dealing with the time change. Like that was the biggest adversity that this team had to face, you know, in this game. And they, they handled that one. No problem. But how about some in-game adversity, please? So wicked Bronco was like worried that we weren't going to get his soup, $10 super chat question. And come on, Bronco, you, you paid a super chat. We are well, bound to get, we these bring in. it up. We're not going to skip you. We're just we're not you know. going to bring up that first part. But second part <laughs> says, anyways, I hope we actually get to see Angeli and Minchie throw and run the offense for an entire half. No handoffs, please. Well, there's going to be handoffs. That's part of an offense. Like it, RPO is a run pass option. And that's the this offense. They're going to do those things. But I, I agree with you, Wicked Bronco, that. I want to see them actually run the offense. I don't want them to just go in and hand off. I agree with that whole sentiment. As long as the handoffs are part of the offense, then I'm good with it. You know, throw, pass, whatever the defense gives you kind of a situation. I, I'm I'm not holding my breath to see Kenny Minchie this Saturday, though. Like, I, and yeah. I, hope fans, I hope fans aren't either because. Right. I agree even with that, Even if it's – and Jelly's going to get most of the reps if and when. And he comes, should. Which, yeah, he's the number two quarterback. He's going to get the reps. They're not just going to start running every quarterback out there because they've got a big lead and they're not going to keep throwing against Tennessee State assuming they've got a big lead. They're not 
you know, it's <laughs> it's still Notre Dame and it's still Marcus Freeman and everything else that comes with it. So, like, you got to see Angeli throw a short pass the other day. Yeah. Finally got to attempt a pass. I don't think they're going to be necessarily chucking it downfield. Again, I just – I would be shocked unless it's like 75 to nothing and Angeli plays – 80% of the fourth quarter, and then Minchie comes in and gets a mop-up series at the end, and that will be all That will be all handoffs, yes. Yeah. Correct. And that's and it's the other thing you have to, you know, do you see – he's the third-string quarterback, right? So do you see him getting in four games? Do they probably want to preserve his red shirt? You know, all those different kinds of things. I don't see him getting in four total games anywhere. So, I mean, if you have an opportunity, sure, slide him in. But – it's going to have to get out of control for that to be the case. Yes. Jason DeWilkins, while it was painful to sit in the stands and watch his cavemen shoot themselves in the foot, get rolled last Friday. Congrats to your son and the Kingsman on the win. All right. You know what? Sean and I did Mishawaka games for a long time, man. And, and uh, I love that community and, and we had a great time doing basketball and football. Yep. And so, I have nothing but love for the Mishawaka community. I will tell you that Friday night was an unbelievable atmosphere. It was so much fun. I'm just glad my kid got to experience it. I remember when they decided to go to the NLC, and I remember leaning over to Sean. I'd be like, when they re-up this rivalry, I go, my kid's going to be a junior in high school. And he was in middle school at the time, right? And I was like, that seems so far away. And now it's in the past. Like <laughs> Time goes by so quickly. I kept trying to get Vince to send his kid to Mishawaka as inducement <laughs> so we could keep calling games together. And now, of course, he's at Penn, Dylan's at Penn, and we're not doing games anymore. So <laughs> it doesn't matter now anyway. So. No, no, it doesn't. But, you know, it was a great atmosphere, man, and I'm glad you had a good time. Yes, it was rough if you're a caveman fan. It was a lot of mistakes on both sides of the ball, that's for sure. And we all know that when Mishawaka gets down, they're not exactly built to come back. And so they were throwing the ball around and there was a couple picks and got kind of got ugly there at the end. But it's a great game. Coffee's for closers. Heading to South Bend Friday, bringing my night. Thanks for the super chat, by the way, Coffee. Uh, heading to South Bend Friday, bringing my 92 year old mom, wow. Tennessee State, 1950. Dad, Tennessee State, 1949. And Notre Dame, 1952, Riley High School greatest principal. Awesome. Wow. That Welcome back. Fantastic, man. That is fantastic. What, what is, uh, I assume you're saying that your dad was the Riley principal at one point or another. Uh, put his name in there. I, I used to teach at Riley, man. I would love to know who that was, man. That's, that's awesome that you're, that you're coming into town and, that, that's fantastic, man. I hope they're going to be sure. all decked out in Tennessee State stuff, man. Enjoy that game. Absolutely. D. Oh, sorry. T Troll Hunter, after, going, after week one going into week two, which bold prediction are you most confident in? Wow. That would mean I would have to remember my bold predictions. I know. I'm trying to remember any of my predictions right now. <laughs> I, I know I said that Jalen Sneed was going to lead the team in sacks. Uh, and obviously that didn't get off to a great start, but it was Navy. So there wasn't a whole lot of sacks to be had. Josh Burnham's on fire though, obviously in the sack mm -hmm. department. Yeah. Um, trying to remember what my, uh, my bold prediction. I think I said Sam Hartman to win the Heisman. Yeah. I, his odds went, uh, went down as far as like the, the plus whatever, like he's now sixth. 
uh, in Heisman voting or like, you know, according to Vegas. So I feel pretty good about that one. Man, I'm trying to remember mine. I I, I think my biggest one is I still think Jaden Thomas is going to end up being the leading receiver for this team. Agreed. So, yeah. It's a good distribution. Agreed. I think when it's when it all shakes out, it's going to be Jaden Thomas reeling him in the most. Agreed. Algie Oldham is the 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 guy we're talking about. The the gymnasium is named after Algie. Mm. So yes, he probably goes down as the greatest principal ever at Riley High School. That's fantastic. All right. All right. And I just got a text from one of my buddies who uh I used to teach with at Riley. He's still there. He's a swim coach and uh he's a best swim coach in the area. It's not close. And he says he confirms the gym is named after him. He says he was his principal when he was a student and he was the greatest principal ever. So there you go. All right. Good deal. Oh, good deal. Thanks, John. Welcome back. Yeah, absolutely. Wicked Bronco. Thanks for another super chat. Okay. So he said week zero upset alert. Well, week zero was last week. <laughs> so, so if you're up, <laughs> we're on to week one. I mean, <laughs> Miami, Ohio proves they're the real Miami. Utah State over Iowa. Indiana could beat Ohio State with the quarterback issues. And Indiana always plays them tough. North Texas over Cal. Duke over Clemson. Thoughts? I don't agree with most of it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Indiana could give Ohio State a game right Uh, away. I'm, I'm not on the Duke bandwagon. I I've said before, Mike Elko did some nice things last year. It was almost all on the defense and it was almost all related to turnover margin, the turnovers they created doing that at an extreme high level two years in a row, I think is going to be tough. I think Clemson is going to be better offensively this year, bringing in Garrett Riley. So I, I don't like Duke over Clemson. I definitely don't like Utah State over Iowa, regardless no of Iowa's, you know, offensive struggles. There, there is bonus money on the line this year. If if Iowa can score some points for Kirk Ferentz's son, so no, okay, I don't know, I didn't know that. What what do you think? I that's the one I disagree with the most uh, is the Utah State over Iowa. Is is Miami of Ohio playing Miami? Is it Miami versus Miami? Like, I'll I have to e- look. Didn't even know that that was actually a, a thing. Um, there's no way IU beats o- Ohio State. It won't even be a game, I don't believe. Cal isn't a fan, isn't a very good team, but I just don't see North Texas doing anything uh, there. Yeah, then, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I, possible. Of, of all the things, maybe that one is the most possible, I guess yeah. I would say. Um but other than that, yeah, those are some upset, man. That's upset alert style. There's no, there's zero chance Duke beats Clemson. If Duke beats Clemson, then Clemson is not the team that we thought that they were by any stretch of the imagination. And that's, I'm not trying to dog on Duke, but Duke and Clemson are at a very different place right now. We can love on Duke and say that they're doing all the right things right now at nine and three and all. It's fantastic. Great. And they also didn't play Clemson last year. And so. now they will welcome back to the ACC. I just yeah. don't see that happening. I don't see it. Yeah. Quinn wants to know who throws a touchdown first, Angeli or Minchie? Uh, I'm going to go with Angeli because I don't think Minchie even plays. 
I completely agree. And I mean, even if we're talking the season, I think it's it's going to be Angeli before Minchie because he's the number two quarterback. But it's going to be like, this is going to be the year that the number three quarterback is the most popular guy on the roster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep, you nailed that one. It's a good day because I'm not BK. Wants to know who do we think will be the sack leader Saturday? I'll just say Jordan Botello. Nice. I'm still sticking with Jalen Sneed. I got to go with my bold prediction that he is able to make up some ground here because I think he's going to get a lot of playing time in this game, right? He rotates with the ones, and then once the twos come in, it's going to be the Jalen Sneed show. You okay. Mark my words, Sean Styers. It's coming. Now, this one, I think Coleman might be confused Ooh. because he wants to know your favorite mem- memory when attending Notre Dame. Now, are you talking about attending Notre Dame games or going to school? Because Vince, not a Notre Dame alum. I wish I was, but I'm not. I did not go to uh, to Notre Dame. If we're asking just like covering the team, it would have death. I mean, oh, man. I It's not a great memory, but the one that sticks out, the, the my favorite memory, honestly, is the, the Notre Dame-USC game in 05. Like yeah. that was – I standing right next to you on the field, just going from straight elation, just absolute elation to devastation in a matter of like 37 seconds. Like it was, uh, that's something I'll never forget. I'll never forget that nuts. feeling. Yeah. Never. Watching that ball on that far sideline yes. shoot up out, you know, up in the air and it's like, it's over, you know, and no, it's not. No, it's Unfortunately. not. Yeah. Crazy. Very crazy. That's, that's definitely still the most memorable I think, and like Manti and beating Michigan in that in that game, and you know, like the goal line stand, even against Stanford in 2012 as well. Some of those games, even even the Samarja, remember the Quinn to Samarja UCLA, UCLA game. We were standing in the same spot we were. Yep for for the for the USC game right yes. down there on that same side of the uh, sideline in the end zone. Yep, I always made it a point to go down there because I never knew when that was going to be my last game. So I always yep. made a point to go down. The Stanford the Stanford goal line stand, I was not at. That was one of the games where you brought somebody else, which your prerogative, you were the boss. Uh, I, watched that, <laughs> I watched that game at McDonald's. So I remember that very well. I used to love the smell of the crunched grass by yes. the end of the game when we would go down there. And now you smell nothing when you go down there on the field. Rubber. Smell <laughs> yeah, I guess like you you're at a NASCAR race. <laughs> That's true. Very true. Quinn says, uh, further this week, even though Tennessee State isn't great, does that matter as much for improving on nope? For improving on tackling, either you bring your guy down or you I was gonna say we talked about tackling yeah, before, I, but I think yeah. You no, know, you could. There's definitely stuff you can work on. There's no doubt about it. And tackling would be one of those things. And absolutely, there's going to be opportunities for open field tackles, and there's going to be opportunities for for them to raise their game. There's no doubt. And so, yeah, you can absolutely work on those things. The fundamental stuff. That's the stuff you work on. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 